Hello, welcome to Rusted Junk. It's episode two of season six. As you well know, regular listeners will know it's all about the sequels. So, uh, Amanda, do you want to tell us what, what film we've just watched, really? Or I've watched plenty of times. But what film we're covering today? Oh, okay. It's uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2, filmed in 1987. That's it? Uh, well, that's it. Uh we, we we have actors as well in it, but that's fine. We've got Judge Reinhold, Eddie Murphy, John Ashton. Everybody's back again, apart from one, apart from Serge. Um, but we will get into that. Anyway, here's the trailer. All of you eat the floor now! Go! Axel Foley is back. Who is he? I'd say he's a cop. <laughs> this is a Detroit badge. What the hell are you doing in Beverly Hills? I'm going deep, 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 deep undercover. Back where he doesn't belong. Excuse me, we're the owners of this house. They're in Hawaii for a week while the construction's happening. I'm Axel Foley, Beverly Hills Billy Inspector. You've stolen this house. How do you steal a house? It's my uncle's house. <laughs> with all his old buddies. What the hell's going on here? Who the hell are you? I'm Johnny Wishbone, psychic extraordinaire. If you need me, just think Johnny Wishbone and I come running. Lots and biddle. It's like kibbles and bits, but different. Oh, this is a big mistake, a big mistake. Would you lighten up and take some risks? This is definitely breaking the law. So how long would it take to shave those legs anyway? I suppose you're trying to be charming. Actually, I'm just offering my grooming services. Get out of here, you degenerate! I want you out of here! Is this a black thing? Hey! Say your love, you're gonna break it! I need authorization. Authorized! Are we having a problem here? You have to! Act the Foley! And this is Max. And Max kills cops for a living! Beverly Hills Cop 2, The Heat's back on. So I think that's, first of all, before we need to talk about the trailer. Hmm. The, every, everyone's back. Yeah, everyone's back apart from Serge. There's no, um, yeah, serious. There's no, Serge's not back. Weirdly, Serge comes back for Beverly Hills Cop 3. Which oh, we'll I've get not into. seen that one. No, and you don't need to. It's, oh. it's, it's horrific. It's awful. Um, it's, I don't even know the Rotten Tomatoes score on that. I can imagine it is horrendous. But, yeah. Are we in Jaws 4 territory? We're, we're, in, we're in Jaws 3 territory, but without any sort of affection or romanticism, certainly on my part. No. Definitely not. So, yeah. Um, so, 
I think the trailer gives you the whole film again. It's yeah. one of those. But are you sure you... these are actually the right trailers? They are the right trailers, yeah. Because, hmm. I mean, well, if, you watch them on YouTube, if you watch them, if you watch us on YouTube, then you can see the trailer. I mean, I'd go to that saying, if you watch, there's yeah, there's more content on YouTube because you can see our reactions and everything. But but for those who are listening on audio, we love you. However you want to listen, that's absolutely fine. What I would say is, um, if you do watch that and you haven't seen Beverly Hills Cop 2, it does spoil a heck of a lot in there. And <laughs> the scenes in there that, that aren't in the film. Yeah. Which we which we will get to. Um, there wasn't another cut of the film, was there? No. No. Okay. This you could argue that a lot of people said this film is an ego trip for for Eddie Murphy. But I think that's a bit harsh because it it, it had to be made. We'll get into the you know how it stacks up against the other against the uh, the original, mm. but it's a film that had to be made. The crowd wanted more, and the crowd got more, and this is this is what you get. Um, and so on that note, I would uh, ask you for your score. <gasps> and then we can and then we can start talking about how it matches up. Oh, okay. I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Wow. Okay. Seven and a half reason. Which is the same as the first one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So reasons, is it, is it simply, it was just more of the same? Yeah. I just thought, wow. (laughs) Yeah. It it was nice to have everyone back. uh, And I thought the, the, the kind of character that, you know, Eddie Murphy plays Axel Foley. He's um, he's just really funny. And it was nice to have Inspector Todd yeah. um, and his sweary, uh, non-complimentary um, uh, narrative of uh, <laughs> <laughs> Axel Foley. And also um, the two guys in the Beverly Hills police uh, station. Rosewood and, Rosewood and Taggart, yeah. That's the name, yeah, Rosewood. Yeah. yeah, and Rosewood's gone kind of like almost egging to go rogue, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I point Relishing out? It. Can I point out? Sorry to interrupt you, but I do have to mention it. I don't know if you noticed, but you know, when you watched it, every time Inspector Todd was was even mentioned, right, you, you went into a little chuckle as into like, oh, I'm looking forward to what's coming. <laughs> and he is because he's a great character, but we'll get into that. Sorry. But yeah, you did. You chuckled before you, before it even came on the screen. <laughs> yeah, so I thought it was enjoyable. Um, I'd watch it again. Um, so I think that's the litmus test, isn't it, really? Would Amanda watch the film again? Yes mm. or no? Yes. Oh, so we got 50-50 because uh, you wouldn't watch Jaws 3 again? Uh, no. No. Well, maybe if you could have, well, you know what, if you could have watched it in 3D. But never mind, I know it can't happen. Um, but you definitely watch this again. Well, I gave the original a nine um, because it is a nine, because it's wonderful. I'm going to have to go below a lower score than you. What? I'm going to have Why? to give it a seven. I'm going to have to give it a seven. There are lots, there are... There are things wrong with it that that weren't wrong in the original film, and part of me thinks that this is because the film was rushed. I mean, to, you know, to to do, to do a sequel 
I, I think takes a minimum of three years. You absorb it. You're taking what the fans want. You know, this would have started shooting in 1986 uh, to be released in 1987. So you're like, okay, that's quite condensing. Did they do a good job? Yes. Would I watch it again? Yeah. I've watched this plenty of times. But maybe I might end up sitting with you at seven and a half, but I'm going to stay at seven because there were okay. things that just, there were things that were great, really great, and things mm-hmm. that just annoyed me. Um, so what I would say is, Eddie Murphy is still on top form. Yeah. In this film, he is 100% still in top form. He, I, I'm not saying there is a weak link. If there are weak links, it is most certainly not Eddie Murphy because he's just, he could charm, he could charm the birds off the, off the trees. You know, this was the start of his golden era um, of where he would, he, he would play characters that you would remember. He would then go on to do very, very soon after he'd gone to do Coming to America. He'd then go on and do The Golden Child. He'd then go on and do, you know, th- things that, that suddenly you don't remember, like Bowfinger or Boomerang. Could you tell me what either of those are about? No. But there were only a few years after this. So it's it's quite odd that from a, for a Beverly Hills Cop movie, it wasn't until much later that he did the Beverly Hills Cop 3. And I've just argued against myself because if it was a time to give a gap for a, to make a decent sequel, <laughs> then between two and three was a long gap, and that wasn't it. Three set, three set in an amusement park. Is it's it? Like, it's like set in Alton Towers. The whole thing is is basically set in Alton Towers. That's a bit random. Yeah. Oh, for our American listeners, uh, Six Flags. It probably was actually Six Flags. Um, I probably like you know they. Obviously, didn't build the theme park just for Beverly Hills Cop Three, but they did spend a lot of money on it. Um, I think it's a good uh, when we talk about the uh, the law of diminishing returns. So, how much did you think Beverly Hills Cop uh, cost to make? What the budget on it was? Mm, uh, uh, ten million. Right, ten million, thirteen million budget. It made oh, back three hundred and sixteen million pounds. It made made three hundred and sixty million pounds in the eighties. Wow, huge! Second film, twenty-seven million for the budget. Mm. It made two hundred and seventy-six million. So that's still good. That's you know we're still we're still in good territory. Beverly Hills Cop three budget seventy million. Seventy seven zero. Seventy seven I wouldn't have said it was justifiable. To spend that I mean, much. if I should, if I said to to all the listeners now, stop. Even if you've seen Beverly Hills Cop two, stop. Go and watch the trailer for Beverly Hills Cop three, and then and then listen to this figure. So what? pause, go away, and then come back and listen to this figure. What was the budget spent on then? Seventy million, presumably getting all the shots right in the amusement park. I mean, I, I can't say I've read too much about Beverly Hills Cop three. I've only watched it once, and I really wish I never saw it. Surge is back in Beverly Hills Cop 3, weirdly. Um, but anyway, it it the budget was 70 million. It made 119 million. <gasps> Someone's getting fired in the morning. Mm. Yeah. So but, spend that, wouldn't it? Yeah. But this is one of the things that we'll talk about when we get to roll call in just a moment. Is this is you know, if you are, you know, mad keen about the 80s and style of films that were done in the 80s, yeah. this is, if, if you turn the sound off, 
and didn't know anything about it and never watched Beverly Hills Cop 2 and just said, tell me who directed this film. Aficionados will go, well, that's Tony Scott. It's smog at the start of the film. You know, it's got this sort of lens that it's being shot through. It's all about the, you know, the, the colours and the, the brooding. You see the heat off the, off the ground and things like that. This is Tony Scott. Top Gun, Days of Thunder, all of those sorts of things. This is, you know, Crimson Tide he did. It's a true romance, Last Boy Scout. They all look the same. They all have the same sort of feel. So I, the reason I'm giving it a seven, I, I just think it's it's more slick than the first one. Mm. And unfortunately, I think it's worse for it. Oh. It's too, st- it's, it's, it, it looks like it's, even though it's not, it looks like it's filmed by the numbers. And I just think a little bit more time and a little bit more polish and a little bit more consideration might, might have given it a higher mark. I'm sure I said on the other podcast that I went, oh, I think Beverly Hills Cop 2 is better than one. Well, I take it back. For people that are regular listeners, you're right. I think I probably did say at one point, but it's not. Having watched having watched them both now, um, I also need to tell you, just before we get into roll call, they are making Beverly Hills Cop 4. Oh, wait, what? Yes. The premise at the moment is his kid gets into trouble and only Axel and the gang can help them. Who's and- Hmm? Whose kid gets Axel's kid? Oh, right, okay. Was he a cop as well, or not? Uh, it's it's very much been kept under wraps, despite the fact that it's been in development hell for for, eight, for years. But everybody's back, apart from Ronnie Cox, unfortunately, because he he passed away. Which one's he? He's Bogomil. Oh, right, okay. So, but everyone else is back. So you get Rosewood, Taggart, um, Serge, everybody, all back. Um, I, I, I've seen the actors as they are now. I can think I can positively say this might actually be the Jaws the Revenge of the series because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm all for I'm all for retro, but it's a bit like them making Ferris Bueller's Day Off too, right? With all the original cast again? No, no, no with the, the original cast and their kids do it to them. Oh, right. I was going to say, Harry's not... won't be running that fast and running over the fences at what? How old would he be now? Oh, he's in his late 50s, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't want to see that, despite the fact that I, we, well, we adore Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I wouldn't want to see that. There's some things you should just leave. They've been trying to remake Back to the Future for years. They've been trying to wrestle the rights to make an updated Back to the Future. I can, it would be rubbish. Whoever's in it, it would be rubbish because you can't you can't better that film. It's a ten out of ten film. We haven't covered it yet, but spoiler alert: it's ten out of ten film. Mm-hmm. Anyway, should we get into roll call? Yeah, go on then. Yeah, okay then. Do you want to introduce it? Here's roll call. Roll call. Oh, I like that. That's probably better than mine. <laughs> well, um, we've done Eddie Murphy quite a bit, have we? We have. Okay. I would say there are two Beverly. There, there are two Eddie Murphys. There two. is the eight. There's the eighties Eddie Murphy, and then there's the everything else Eddie Murphy. By everything else, Norbit, Doctor Doolittle, you know all of the stuff that he makes that presumably, you know, not many people have seen. Whereas the Eddie Murphy, the comedian, doing stand up, delirious and raw, perf- brilliant, brilliant comedy com- concert movies, The Golden Child, Coming to America. 
And then suddenly, Harlem Knights and things like Bowfinger, you know, as we talked about, Boomerang. Yeah, not bad. Bowfinger's really funny because it's got Steve Martin in it, of course. But then you get Donkey and Shrek. Oh, and that's like, quite funny. Yeah, it is. It is. But what I'm saying is that how, how, how the mighty fall, you know, I mean... What do you mean, how the mighty fall? Well, because he doesn't, he doesn't do anything that's as commercially successful since. Yeah, since, do you think? Do you think that sometimes somebody does such an iconic role they don't need to do anything else? Yeah, potentially. All right, okay. I'd like them to keep it up. If you if you've got a genius like Eddie Murphy, keep it up and don't accept these second-rate movies for what for whatever they are. But I mean, yeah, but I think I think a lot of actors. End up having to do that though, don't they? Well, put on a fat suit like he did in Norbit, and it's just like, well, uh, I think you've jumped the shark. Mm. Uh, um, I mean, there was... look, at, look at Michael Caine, he's done some amazing movies, he has, and then he goes and do, does, does your uh, uh, that one stinker does not a, George, does not a discredited Knight of the Realm make. Sir, Sir Michael, um, Jaws of Revenge. When we cover it, if we cover it, <laughs> if we ever cover it, we talk about it a lot. We do talk about it a lot, so perhaps we should, we should cover, cover it. it. Should we cover it next? Should we just get it out of the way and do it? Oh next? God, another Jaws. Well, you, you, might as well. Can we leave it to later in the season? All right, okay, that's fine. I might have forgotten. All well, those Jaws aficionados out there listening, going, "Oh yes, yes, go on, go on." Did <laughs> one right, Michael Caine. I only made a couple of stinkers. The rest of it, look at, I mean, he's played um, Albert in the Batman films, you know, more yeah. recently. And you're like thinking, he's great. What was that movie he was in on the council estate? Educating Rita. No. Oh, that was oh. another good film. Oh, Get Carter. No, that's another good it film. Press File. No. Another good film. Okay. No, it was. Um, he, he's an old man living on a, um, a council estate. Oh, yeah. And he's getting picked on by the other. Uh, yeah, he's got kids, um, his plan B. In Harry it, Brown. Um, Harry Brown. There you yeah, go. That's a great film. Yeah. That's that a great, good, good film. film. And yeah. Plan, yeah, with plan B. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what we've got to look forward to. Uh, I, I'm not being I'm not being fair. In the first week of being of it being shown on Amazon Prime, coming, coming to America too, but coming to America with a two in the middle. Yeah, very clever. Um, it's got one and a half billion minutes worth of views. So it was quite popular. That's Amazon's way of saying, yeah, it's quite popular. We still haven't watched it. It's been out oh, for 18 months. I didn't know months. it was out. No, no, it's been out for 18 months. Oh, missed yeah. that one. Oh, I told you. And I said, oh, look who's back. It's sexual chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> They're back. <laughs> yes. Anyway. I can't um, say the line I really love in it. Yeah, oh, we can't. Unfortunately, I have to tick that box otherwise, but still, um, I'm not doing that. Anyway, so yes, I think there are two Eddie Murphys. It doesn't make, it doesn't stop the fact that it might be genius. And do you know what? I'll eat my hat, this very hat that I've got oh, on now. If, if Beverly Hills Cop 4 it's is good, but it's not going to be. It, 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 a film made these days always has to have a message. And unfortunately, Beverly Hills Cop 4 will not be any different. Unfortunately. Anyway, on to Billy, Judge Reinhold. Pretty much vice versa, you know, is and one of those films that I think we'll cover at a later date. Um, in 1987 and 1988, body swap films with kids swapping with adults 
was all the rage. There was three of them in the same year. Um, 18 again, starring George Burns. Um, like Father, Like Son with Dudley Moore and vice versa with Judge Reinhold, which is by far the best one. Hmm. It's very good. Uh, John Ashton, Taggart. Uh, he's a... <laughs> I can't believe it. I didn't plan it, but we get to talk about an Eric Stoltz moment. I'm sorry, it's not going to happen no. every podcast, but if it does happen, I've got to raise it. So he's in some kind of wonderful... He plays Eric Stoltz, Keith's dad, in some kind of wonderful, with the immortal line, where's the effing money, Keith? Which is just we 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 dined on that for ages in the eighties. We just loved the way he loved the way he said that. Um, he's also a midnight run, which we've covered on this podcast. You can go back and listen listen to us do midnight run, where he plays the other bounty hunter. That's right. That, yeah. If you remember, Jürgen Prochnow, Max, the bad guy. Well, he's in the boat. That th- that's what I think he's probably most famous for. Um. June, uh, he was in Robin Hood. No, not that one. The other one. Uh, two Robin Hood films. What's Hollywood? Why don't they just talk to each other? There was two Robin Hood films in 1991. The popular one with Kevin Costner and the other one with Russell Crowe. Do you remember it? No. No. No, because it's A, because it's rubbish. <laughs> and B, it hasn't got Brian Adams in it. So it's it's more rubbish. Um, But he's in that. Okay, fine. I just have to do it. Brian uh, Adams wasn't actually in the film. Uh, weirdly, he was. Was he? Yes, he was. Wait a minute. Oh, you tested my very trivia now. Yes, he he struck a deal. He's in a crowd somewhere, and you fo- and he focuses, but the camera moves pretty quickly. I believe. Oh, like you're gonna know. I it's might not be wrong. Acting, acting. Which doesn't play Friar Tuck or anything. I mean, that's a bit odd, isn't it? Oh, it's the fry the guy that plays Friar Tuck, spending Wait. sixteen weeks at number sixteen weeks. 16 weeks at number one. Too many, but yeah. Four months at number Maybe one. Maybe he played the loot. Uh, do you know what? that? It, it, it's flooding back a bit now. It might have been something like that. Sat in a tree, playing the loot. <laughs> Firing arrows at trees. Um, Humming the theme tune. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, he plays uh, the bad guy in Air Force One, General Radich, uh, who uh, Gary Oldman uh, hijacks Air Force One in order to release. Air what, Force Brian One. Adams? No, you can prop now. We're back on the board. Oh, call. sorry. Well, Brian Adams in Air Force One might have been uh, might have been good, but Air Force One is my one of my guilty pleasures. It makes very little sense, and it is totally over the top. But my goodness, my go-to film, and I just want to be entertained and cheered up by some bizarre things going on on screen. Air Force One, Harrison Ford, Gary Oldman, brilliant. Uh, he's also in 24. Uh, he was in a film called Beer Fest, which is great. It's about a beer competition every year, and the Americans have to butt themselves up. It's a bit like Eurotrip. Um, I love Beer Fest. They got to drink the boot. Have we seen that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. But we'd have seen it when we first met each other. I vaguely remember the film. I'm sure yeah. I do. You've got to drink the boot without it making a gulp. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, Beer Fest. He's in that. I think he plays one of the judges. So. Okay. But he's 24. He plays a generic bad guy in 24. They all did at some point. Bridget Nielsen. Want to have a go? Anything? Uh, Rocky. Of course. Rocky Four. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's first started out in Red Sonia. 
Yeah, so uh, not say that. Not a lot else. She was in Creed 2 where she reprised her role from Rocky Four. Hmm. Um, and you see how bad Dolph Lundgren was treated, and that's uh, Creed Two is quite 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 sad, really. When you and when you look at it for Rocky Four, but then I'm going through this list of films, and there's a film called She's Too Tall. Hmm? So I clicked on it and I went, don't remember that. And apparently, it's about she's a designer and she storms Fashion Week for making films for, for making clothes that are for her size. And I thought, you're only six foot, you know, you're only six foot. I mean, you're not. You're not like seven and a half foot. You're yeah, like but she wears a lot of high heels as well, though, doesn't she? So it makes her look like four inches taller. Well. And she's not exactly, you know, pencil thin, is she? She's. Well, she's stocky, but she's quite thin. She's not she? stocky. Christ, no, I mean, she's quite. stocky. No, stocky's in like, she's got. She's medium build. She's got she's, muscle around her. Yeah. yeah she's, Sorry, that's, that's what I meant. I didn't mean. She's. She looks lovely, I would say. She does. Those long legs. Yep, definitely. Yeah, I know you're a leg guy, aren't you? Well, and and Bridget Nielsen delivers. Anyway, Dean Stockwell, who played uh, the owner, the manager of the gun club. Yeah. Uh, Charles. What was his name? Charles Kane. Mm. Uh, any, anything? What do you want yeah. to guess? Yeah, go on. He, he's been in... It's not Stargate, is it? It's um... oh, this is brilliant. Yeah, yes, a huge science fiction show, but not Stargate. Yeah, it was. Um, you you started watching it, and then it you kind of stopped. After I've never while. watched it with when I never watched it with you. Oh, I thought you did. No, I started Miami Vice. Well, I started Miami Vice a while back, but yeah. Okay, Scott Bakula. Caught up in time, goes back to yes. a particular time in the habit's body. It's called Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap, that's it. Oh, and it's brilliant. <laughs> and it really is. Um the <laughs> he's also in Air Force One. Is it? He won't be the last in the, in this roll call that is in Air Force One. I think they all had a massive party. I think they must have all got drunk together and gone, Yeah, should we all go do Air Force One together? I think they came the studio and oh, just said also- you yeah, got a role for me, and they're like, oh, "Yeah, right." He's then. good because Glenn Close plays the vice president, and he's the advisor, he's the chief of staff, and he doesn't exactly play a good guy, hmm. but he doesn't exactly play a bad guy. He's quite misguided. He wants he wants Glenn Close to take over as president so they can shoot down Air Force One. Um, spoiler alert! But I mean, and it's so so well done. But anyway, he's in June. Uh, his standout role for me will be in Blue Velvet. He plays Ben in Blue Velvet. Mm. Wow. You'll never listen to Roy Orbison in the same way ever again. That is, oh, love that film. We we need to watch that. Uh, he's also the excited uh, person giving the pitch in The Player. I know I mentioned that film a lot. There's so many stars in that. It's, it's, it's packed full of stars. Uh, he played Madonna's dad in the TV film Madonna Innocence Lost. Nope, me neither. Um, he was in the Tony Danza show. But one thing we did watch, Battlestar Galactica. Yes, that's right. Yeah, he was... Uh, there's there's nobody in Battlestar Galactica that gives a bad performance. Uh, that was just great. I remember sitting there watching it and going, oh, and what happens next? And the, yeah, oh, you're just looking forward to the next one. 
because mm. it just wasn't your run-of-the-mill sci-fi show. It was so it clever. It wasn't, no. Yeah. The, the first, as it progressed, though, it, it got a little bit... Mm, I think they were clutching for storylines towards the end. Mm. They did make a prequel story to Battlestar Galactica called Caprica. That's right, yeah. With Eric Stoltz. Sorry. Oh, for God's sake. Sorry, yeah, I've just got to mention you it. You just I mean... shoehorned that in just so that you could put Eric Stoltz in I again. can't say that Dean Stockwell, What I can't leave out Battlestar Galactica. Someone said, why would you leave out Battlestar Galactica? Because I've mentioned Battlestar Galactica, I've mentioned Caprica. I've mentioned Caprica, I've got to mention Eric Stoltz, and then Mandel have exactly the same reaction there, which is, uh, why have you shoehorned Eric Stoltz into it? Uh, wait a minute, let me just check. Uh, no more Eric Stoltz references, I think. Um Paul Reiser, our, our favourite. We love Paul Reiser in the house, don't we? We do. We do. First on the scene, uh, well, not first on the scene at all, um, plays Burke in Aliens, the bad guy in Aliens, and he plays it extremely well. Um, even more, he gets a bit more addition to it in the special edition. So if you are watching Aliens, do watch the special edition. We'll be watching the special edition when we cover it but without oh, Amanda right. because, oh, it's got scary things in it. So <laughs> I just don't like things like that. Sorry. But, it, but there's, we've seen worse things on like Netflix documentaries, which are, can be, some of them can be pretty harsh. And you're like, oh, right. Aliens is about Marines fighting space, you know, fighting aliens. Hence the title. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, it was in My Two Dads, uh, one of my favourite sitcoms of the 80s. And, and and overlap into the 90s. Uh, he was in the film Whiplash, like the drummer. Uh, I don't remember him being in that, but I did note it down that he was. Uh, more recently, uh, he's been in uh, Red Oaks, uh, which we've yet to finish. Uh, the Kaminsky Method, which we have finished. Well, we're <laughs> certainly up to date with it. Uh, and then he was in Stranger Things, uh, season two, I believe. Yeah, he was one of the scientists, wasn't he? That's right. Uh, and more recently, in a, in a sitcom that we just started watching called Reboot, where he played the um, the chief that basically goes, I don't want any of this arty stuff, just make another... I don't know if you remember him in that. Oh! Yeah. He basically tells the cast, that's it, do do it my way or you're all fired. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And yes. he plays, he, he just plays that type of character. But he's so funny in it. I didn't, I didn't know he could swear that much. Um Paul Guilfoyle. Now he played, and I should have looked it up, but he played the arms dealer with the blonde hair in this. Oh, yeah. yeah. He wasn't really in it a lot. He doesn't say anything. He was the strip club owner. Yeah, he he doesn't say anything. But he's got one of those faces that you go, wasn't he in like the A team? Wasn't he in Harcastle and McCormick? Yes, they all were in the 80s. They all guest guest starred in Scarecrow and Mrs. King and Obscure Stuff and Airwolf (laughs) and whatever, right? But they all did at some (laughs) point. But Paul Guilfoyle was in Howard the Duck. He was in Three Men and a Baby. He was in Wall Street, Mrs. Doubtfire, Air Force One. I spent 130 episodes in CSI. I never watched it. Um, and is currently in The Good in the good Fight, which is, I think, a, a show you started watching. Was it The Good, the good Something? No, I, I started watching The Good Wife. Right, well, this is the next bit. This is the spin-off from that. Oh. And he's in that. And you got bored with the, the good wife. So I, did. I got yeah. very bored. Uh and then lastly, Gilbert Gottfried, which I did like in this film. I like I like Gilbert Gottfried, uh, who played the lawyer with the parking tickets. Um 
he was the voice of Yago. He was the voice of the parrot in Aladdin, uh, the Disney uh, 1992 film. Uh, and also in one of my extremely, extremely on PC guilty pleasures um, it, to the point where I don't think you could ever watch it. I don't, I don't think you could do 20 minutes of the adventures of Ford Fairlane before mm-hmm. you go turn this off. The adventures of Ford Fairlane, it's called. What um, sounds a bit weird. What's that? About? Uh, it's, it's, it, it, it's a, <laughs> it's a rock and roll detective story. And it's played by Andrew Dice Clay, who's probably one of the most considered to be one of the most offensive comics of the 80s. Mm. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I- I'm watching that going, nope, I can never watch this, but it still is a guilty pleasure for me. But anyway, there's Roll Call. There we go. Cool. So mm. in, in matching up, oh, one of the things I've got to say before I start, did you know, did you know and I didn't know until I did some research, in 2013, there was a Beverly Hills Cop TV movie where his son, Aaron Foley, needed to go back to Beverly Hills to, 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 to act like his dad and sort things out. And I went, I would have known if that had come out. Apparently, it never did. No. Um, it went to the test audiences and they gave it such low scores that it was shelved. Oh. But it's been made. And they tried to re-release it in 2018 and they went, no, you're not doing this because we started, we're going to do Beverly Hills Cop 4. So just part this. So there is a film out there with his son already. Um, but yeah, they won't release it anymore. Anyway, enough of spin-offs. This film, I think it starts really well. I think you've got the the heist bit at the start, which I think sets the tone for the whole film. Yeah, got some comments about that. Do you, well, let's let's go into the comments. If she's paid by how many times she has to say "eat the floor," she got uh, oh, God. She got three pound. Too many times. Yeah, sorry. Something. I think something's going on with my computer, so it's making things a bit slow. How do I? It stop? does look like your uh, your your picture's gone a bit bit. I look bit like funny. Max Headroom. You do. I said that was funny. my audits oh, and sorry. like, yeah, no one got the reference. Because there was such well, they a won't. no. Well, hopefully, listening to this podcast while you're trying to sort it out, listening to this podcast will remember Max Headroom, which started out as a, a thing for MTV uh, until he actually got his own show. Um, I remember it was voiced by Matt Frewer, who who was Max Headroom. Um, I loved it. I thought it was great. It was a really good show. But he was just introducing videos, a bit like Beavis and Butthead, just used to. They, they didn't introduce anything. They just talked over everything. Um, and by the way, it's nice to see Beavis and Butthead back. But yeah, listeners of the show would would most definitely um, would know both of those references, hopefully. So yeah. And if you don't, go watch it. Go and check out a bit on YouTube. I think you're uh, coming back to life now. Is that a bit better? Yeah, a little bit better, yeah. I think there's stuff going on in the background of my laptop. I think it's because you only turn it on for the podcast and it goes, oh, I need to update this. I need to update that. I need to update well, that. You get that that little blue wheel and then in, I've already had like loads of pop-ups saying I haven't got any virus or threat Something like enabled. That. You've got all these little update piranhas and they're all nibbling at your computer they resources. Are. Yeah. Stop nibbling, naughty. Yeah. Uh, right. Oh, sorry, okay. me or the piranhas. Sorry. Uh, yeah. I keep getting like screen flashes and... 
things. And then it, it's got blue wheel. Weird. Anyway, okay. people don't want to listen to my... Uh, oh, if of I course they disappear, do. it's because my laptop's decided to reboot itself without any prompt from me. I will be the consummate professional I can until you can... Oh, mind you, wait a minute. If you go, then I go. Then you go and the recording oh, no. stops. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah, right, let's get right. it in. So anyway, the high spit, the good start, the race track scene <laughs> at the end is the race track scene. I love that. I didn't expect that. That twist at the end. Shush. Right. <laughs> so the jewellery store, the heist, the yes. first part of the film. You didn't like it? No, I thought it was all right. I, felt... I was going to say, Mrs. Seven and a Half, you can't, you can't start doing the film down already. No, no, it was, it was all right. Um, yeah, she did say eat the floor quite a lot, yeah. which was like okay first couple of times but then after that it just got a little bit kind of have you not got any other lines um right the glass that was in the cabinets i've gone slow again the glass in the cabinets was that actually proper glass because it looked like it was you know normally fake glass it'd be it'd be hello welcome to the wonderful world of cinema it's not real glass it's the sugar glass it looked like real glass because like the sugar glass breaks quite easily and this didn't look like it was breaking that easily. Right. And if you've got like, um, you know, like um, safe glass, blooming window security pops up again. If you've got like the secure, uh, secure glass, it breaks into like sugar lump pieces, doesn't it? Yeah. This didn't, it was like proper real kind of as if your window had been smashed like proper shards of glass everywhere. Right. And I just thought, ooh, that looks a bit dodge. And it probably wasn't the best way to actually steal the stuff in the cabinets because they've got a fish around between all the like glass. bits of glass. Yeah. Which would be, they only had one and a half minutes. Yeah. This isn't the heat, by the way. This isn't the meticulously planned Robert De Niro, you know, Val Kilmer execution things in, in heat. This is... We've got one and a half minutes. What are we going to do? And you just pointed out the floor there. Oh, yeah, let's put broken glass around diamonds, which are Everything essentially Everything that we're going to try and grab, shapes. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, the only way that you find out if there were diamonds or glass is just take it all well, until yeah. you got back. And I don't think the gloves were were kind of, you know, protection against the glass somehow. They weren't, weren't these know. gloves, were they? No. Maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but that was the first thing I thought, mm, Mm. Well, do, what, before that, before she even gets into there, she brings a gun out into a crowded street. Oh, yeah, I know. And nobody, yeah. nobody bats an eyelid. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's fine. It's just usual. It's, it's LA, you know. In the, um, I, yeah. I just think I, I didn't understand. They nicked the stuff. They took the stuff that they wanted, but just for good measure, they decided to just shoot the whole place up. Yeah, Why? which Why? would then attract more attention to the fact that you know there was noise. And then, like, she decided to fire a gun, like, randomly get the chandelier. So the chandelier came why the down. Sh- yeah, why the chandelier? Why, I mean... why bother? I have yeah. no idea. And then she was shot the, the doors going out. And you're like, why would you do that? She was yeah. just a bit trigger happy, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. And then from there, so you get the opening scene, you go into Shakedown by Bob Seger, which is the, the heat is on of this film. Um, it's not the heat is on. The heat is on is a great is a great it's, way to start a film. Tune. Shakedown yeah. is okay ish, but it ain't no heat heat is on. Um, I Eddie Murphy's character is undercover, 
So when you see the him getting dressed at the start, he's in a great suit, he's in a Ferrari, he's, you know, he's all of this because he's working undercover on some credit card fraud. When he gets into the bar and you first introduced to him and he does all his pattern, which is great. I'm not, uh, there, uh, there, there is no time I'm going to go, oh, I didn't like Eddie Murphy in this scene. What I would say is logistically, he's in a crowded bar. And presumably this is half eight in the morning and there's a lot of people in there drinking and I don't think it's coffee. But he's shouting out, I need 2,000 blank American Express cards. And you're kind of like, dude, if you're going to do, like, keep things covert, you don't shout it out in a crowded bar, would be probably my idea. Yeah. Um, but it's but it's it's a nice setup. And I do like, while this is going on, you get to see, you get to see Bogomil, you get to see him. And, you know, obviously in the two years since they've, since they've known each other, they're all going on fishing trips now. And I think that's nice because, no, no, because you might expect me to go, oh, they've just shoehorned that in just for, for the heck of it. No, I think it's a nice touch. I genuinely think that they go and do stuff together, that they have formed this good friendship really quickly and they go out and do stuff. That's good. That's nice, surely. Yeah. You think? He knows his daughter. He knows Jen. You know, he knows... Um, when you go back and watch Beverly Hills Cop and how it, how we how they all started, it's nice to know that this is a good, this is like a family star thing, and I think the film's stronger for it. Um, but yeah, um, I like the fact that it's called the Alphabet Killer. They're trying to solve the 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 job there. I like the fact that they automatically assume it's a he doing it. You know, spoiler alert: it's a he and she, um, especially at the end just as she um but you get this larger than life character which i think while it's not bad chief lutz what did you think of him as a character what the the guy in the, charge. the guy that's now in charge and it's not bergamel in charge he's now somebody above him answers to the mayor i actually wondered at the start of the film now i have seen this film before i wondered at the start of the film i couldn't quite remember if he was in on the whole thing and he was being paid off by the um, by the bad guys yeah um because it it kind of looked like it was being set up in order to kind of you know not achieve an outcome of catching you know the alphabet killers or whatever they are yeah um yeah, I did. I did. It did cross my mind on that, but um, yeah, I just thought it was a bit. <coughs> it was a bit typical, wasn't it? In order for them, it it it's yeah. just formulaic, isn't it? The the chief of police doesn't believe them and not interested. It is the thing that the thing that again, these are, I was bad to mark mark. You know, it's not the best sequel of all time, you know, but. That, you know, it's not Terminator Two, it's not Godfather Part Two, it's no Lethal Weapon Two. But anyway, we'll get to no. that. We'll get to that next next time. Um, that's the film we're going to do next um, oh, instead good. of instead of Jaws and Revenge. And then Dom and Joe are going to join us, and we're going to have loads of fun and do aliens and stuff that man can't watch. Um, but I would say the thing that bugs me is all the way through the mayor is in the office when Lutz is 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 treating his subordinates like dog dirt, right? And he's, and he's, he's insulting them. He's demeaning them. He's degrading them. And, and the mayor throughout the film goes, and I don't appreciate how your language. And I don't appreciate the way you talk to people. 
And I'm like, why didn't you fire him at the start? I mean, yeah. I know it wouldn't have made a, you know, it wouldn't have made a good story. Um, you wouldn't have had the Johnny Wishbone and all uh, <laughs> bits like that. But if you don't like the way he's talking to these people and he seems to be suspending one and firing the other and, and you're like going, can you just see how bad this guy is? Mm. He's, he's not, he's no chief. He's no, but yeah. Um, Bogomil gets um, a hit uh, by um, uh, by the bad guys, but essentially Bridget Nielsen lures him to uh, uh, a broken down car, of which, of course, he helps because he's that kind of guy. He's going to help. Um, and he gets shot twice um, in the chest, which you would think, eh, I think you're going to recover from that. Uh, I don't think he was wearing a bulletproof vest, but anyway. It was just side, though, wasn't it? It was, it was... Well, the first one looked like it was the, the one looked like it was in the heart on one side. The other was trying to, you know, make it symmetrical on the other side. And I was like, he's not getting up from that. When I watched it, I just genuinely thought that's it. He's, he'd gone. Then we cut back to Axel and he hears that, Bert, that Bogomil has been shot and he wants to get back. So he doesn't actually end up doing the deal. But it's on the like news. The, the it's been on it was, the news that quick. Exactly. Why would, why would something, why would somebody shot in LA be on Chicago you know, news. Detroit news. Yeah. Oh, in Detroit. Detroit. Okay. Um, but we get, we do get a scene which is shoehorned in. The guy at the start of Beverly Hills Cop 2 that he was selling the stolen cigarettes to and setting him up turns out to be the nephew of the guy he's doing the deal with. And so Axel has to think quickly on his feet and, and says, he's a cop. <laughs> now that is just shoehorning something in. And we just got, we've got to put a little bit of callback, and you know why I'm I'm so cynical thinking it was like that because as soon as he appears, just after that scene, they start. That's the first time you hear Axel F, and you're like, oh, it's yeah. all coming together, isn't it? I see what you're doing. I see you're manipulating me, but I'm fine with it. It's fine. <laughs> I can see. Um, so he has to go to LA, and he has to get somebody to drive the Ferrari. Who does he get? While he's away. I can't remember his name. Um, Paul Reiser. That's the one. He has to get him to to, to do it. Uh, and he's told to scooch down in the car. <laughs> scooch down in the car. And then, said, and then says, oh, you can bring Marcy and the two of you can drive around. It's like, you can't. Okay, so you, so you invite this girl. You can you can stay up, but I can't because I've got to scooch down like the grandmother in Veris Bueller um, at the end uh, when she's driving. Um but we 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 then get one of the best callbacks we could possibly have, Inspector Todd. Yay! And he's not lost his form. <laughs> he's there. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could give you some lines from it, but we'd have oh, to tick that box. He's very but sweary. He's just very sweary, but very good. I, I mean, I know I've, I've said this before. When the eighties, we used to have the eighties and nineties. We used to have the swear awards. And we used to tape tape them and used to have 20. And we all rated them out of 10. Weirdly enough, Joe Pesci won every year because we couldn't find anyone to topple him off the list. He was just, he's just the grandmaster of swearing. But, but this, but um, uh, Inspector Todd was in there. It was quite high. Weirdly enough, Michael Caine from Jaws the Revenge was used to get in the top four every time. Oh. It's just one line, just one thing he says, but oh my goodness. Every year we just thought we can't, there's nothing better than than that. But anyway, Spectre Todd, I think, made top 10. Ah, anyway, so yeah, so he says he's going to go deep, deep undercover 
which then gives him the freedom. He's got three days. Is it three days? Yeah. He says to um, uh, Scooch Man, uh, I've got his <laughs> name, uh, that he's uh, away for two days. And then Inspector Todd gives him three days. Yeah, yeah. That's like, that's, that's, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, what does he arrive at the hospital in, in LA when he gets there? It's a red. The same clothes he had on in Beverly Hills Cop. The same oh, gets up. The right. same gets up that he had in Beverly Hills Cop. Baseball jacket. Look, I'm not going to be cynical. I know what you're doing. It's great and it's working, especially. Because at that point, I think even watching it today, I went, you know, we talked about this last time, or or, or did we? Where, yes, we did. Because we said Quentin Tarantino said Jaws was the best movie of all time. It's not the best film. Hmm. And then we talked about movie stars. Tom Cruise is not a good actor. But my goodness, he is one of the best movie stars of all time. Hmm. And I think I think in, in, in this in this 80s period, Eddie Murphy was an extremely good movie star. Hmm. He's just he's just good. He's not an actor. He didn't act. But you believe he's Axel Foley because it's Eddie, he's playing Eddie Murphy's Axel Foley, you know? I mean yeah. but that, that's not a bad thing. Again, I'm not there's no there's no way I've got I haven't got any criticism for him. But um <laughs> I love how he gets the house. He needs somewhere to stay. Yeah. Yeah, drives past, doesn't he? And then he sees this house under construction, and then turns the car around, and and then pretends to be a building inspector. And the, the fact that they've got the plan, the wrong version of the plans, and <laughs> yeah. the client has changed their mind. They don't want any right angles. <laughs> <laughs> any, any right angles? That was great. So he says, "Your guys will speak to my guys, and their guys will will sort things out, and uh, just basically down tools. You you've got the rest of the week off." Yeah. It's great. It works because, because of the, as I say, the pattern, all the things that he does to try and manipulate people and get them to do what he wants is just, oh, it's brilliant. Um, after this scene, we find out that Taggart is getting divorced again. So he got divorced, then she came back, and now she's divorcing him again. Yeah. I've got an annoyance with that, but we'll get to it at the uh, at the right part of the the, the film. Okay. Um, they find out they've got the bullet. The bullet casing. So he goes in, um, finds out that these are these are are made in a certain way, and there's only niche people that can do it. Oh, hang on! Before we get there, though, oh, it's how he gets the the bullet casing. That's oh. where Johnny Wishbone comes. I was going to say that's how he gets it, but yeah, go on. I t- 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 tell the world about Johnny Wishbone. Uh, well, they're in the room, which looks like a panoptic room. It's very odd, um, so everybody can see them. Uh, and then they've got a bag of the bullets that have been retrieved from the crime scene. And um, Axel Foley says, oh, well, these are specialised. Um, this is a something, something bullet with for a something, something rifle, but it looks yeah. like it's been changed. Um, so he, he manages to kind of pinch one, and put it in his pocket. And then um, the chief comes in Lots. and, and and says, what are you doing? Um, and who are you? <laughs> so it's just immense, his character, Johnny Wishbone. He's Johnny psychic, Wishbone. Psychic extraordinaire. <laughs> um, and he, he <coughs> basically said that the guys had called him in to help solve a case. <laughs> That's brilliant. Right, oh. And then walks out 
And then harasses the other members of staff in the in the station. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it is. It's a good scene and it's a good character. I don't know if that was improvised, but you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if it was. Mm. Anyway, he has to go to the gun club because he says, look, I don't know who could who couldn't do these around here. You're you're the Beverly Hills cops um around here. So tell me where, tell me where. Oh, you could go to the gun club. You can start there. He takes um Billy's vitamins and pretends they're like a hypersonic bullet that reacts to, to reacts to sound um, of which he gets the woman at the gun club, not only to not dismiss him anymore, but actually pay him $20 <laughs> to, to take it into the room that he needs to get into genius. I do love his line where he said, Oh, this is how my mate booty got killed. All they found was $20 and two Adidas. <laughs> like, it's great. Great. But he's good at that. He takes the, you know, when he when he he needs to make his face look like he's been sweating because it's because it's so nervous, and he puts it in into the champagne bucket and goes, "What vintage is this?" It's just again, you don't know how much is is done, but um, we have Russell Fielding now. I didn't put him in roll call for a reason, but the guy that was in the showing the gun instructor that Bridget Nielsen says, "Oh, can I have a word?" So not Dean Stockwell, not mm. right, but the Russell Fielding. Any any idea of where he he was from? No, because he will come up again. Here's a hint: at Christmas time for our Christmas movie, of which we'll probably all be on. Die Hard Two. Oh, he plays the caretaker in the, and you like look at him and go, "Wow, okay." Three years later, you'll be the caretaker in Die Hard 2. He's Marv. He's the guy with the, that knows all the tunnels and has the the, the, the metal oh, underneath right. the airport. Yeah. He lives underneath underneath yeah. in the basement. Yeah, just, you know, look, it wouldn't be me if I didn't spot something like that in there. Nope. Oh, look, it's Marv. Um, continuity error. Um, he's they, They're playing with these red dot laser guns on a screen, uh, but he gets his out and just <laughs> just blows yeah, away the bad guys green three times yeah and then when they cut to the bridget and uh the other guy having a chat the screen's actually screen's not, intact yeah it's, it's not and sure he's playing with he's playing he's actually playing with the he's actually laser shooting gun. with the, the laser gun <laughs> laser um but yeah so now you've got uh you're introducing the web jürgen prop now so he needs to be killed i think he said shoot him burn him kill him whatever make sure you just get rid of him um, he then goes and talks to Jen. They get an idea about this, what he was on to. I love the police work in that. It, they pick up a piece of the, the newspaper where he's, where he's just uh, red, red marked his face and gone max. I was like, Oh, so that's your clue is that, that there's just something that he's seen in there. But anyway, um, I did say I wasn't going to badmouth any of the actors or actresses. Are we allowed to say that? I think they're all called actors now. But I wasn't going to badmouth any actors. Jen, his daughter, can't act. She's not that bad. She's not that great. Anyway. It's not like a role. No, but it's it's a role that's got to convey a lot of of emotion and do something quickly so they, they can move on. Um. We then get Axel saying to, um, they put a hit out on him. Um, Axel has said where he's staying, uh, 
So you expect the hit at the home, but it, it doesn't. It comes in the nightclub. Yeah. But before they get there, uh, Taggart and Rose would turn up at his mansion that he's appropriated. <laughs> Again, you would have heard that if you listened to the trailer. How can you steal a house? Um, but he's in the pool. Taggart slips in. He hasn't got a change of clothes. So uh, I, I do highly recommend seeing what Taggart ends up wearing. Cause it's, uh, <laughs> he looks like he's, he's like from the the golf club doesn't he with his he looks like he's from caddyshack he looks yeah. like somebody that was in caddyshack yeah lemon lemon v-neck jumper shirt and a, and a light blue blazer oh my yeah. god it's great it is great. <laughs> um now when we get to this bit i was i was gonna i was gonna give the floor to you because no. we get to the club strip club strip club and if you didn't know it was a strip club not only is it $7 for a Coke, uh, which we find out. So, yeah, strip club prices. Um, oh, sorry, I've heard that they are like that. Um, <laughs> but Oops. Um, I know this is the 80s. I know this is all the, the, the decadence and fast cars, fast women and all that sort of stuff. But the dancing was, there was a lot of it. And she was she focusing on her. She got a lot of screen time. She did. There was her. not a lot of clothage either. No. Now, Look, right. Well, 15-year-old Charles isn't complaining. No, but, but the, thing, the thing was, she's dancing around a pole. She's not using the pole like a pole dancer would. Oh, can you, can you give us some unique uh, insight into that? Well... <laughs> um... Oh, you can. I, I, you can say you. you can okay, say what... I I have tried it. Shall we say? Yeah. Um, it's Recently, hard work very yeah. very hard work, and I had so many bruises, and um, I'm just too old now to do it. I think so. I've, I've well, started... I I don't think so, but yeah, it's a shame. But yeah, it, it's just too strenuous on my body. Uh, anyway, moving pole, on. Pole dancing elicits a love a thought for the partner that purely cynically. Elicits a really lovely thought, and then you came back going, "Oh, I can barely move, covered in bruises." And I went, "Yeah, that, that thought has now disappeared." I have it's, so it's much, gone, gone. so so much respect for those people because there's men that do it as well. Yes, pole dancers, but it's actually pole fitness. It's not dancing. It's well, she wasn't. <laughs> she wasn't. Well, she was just dancing much, but... with a with a pole in front of her. Yes. There wasn't a lot of pole work going on. Anyway, we're talking far too much about pole dancing. All right, okay. Um, Can you do that? Is that such a thing? Anyway, yeah. Come on, Let's yeah. move on. Yeah. Anyway, they, they say that he, they say that Taggart's former president Ford. <laughs> Gerald Ford. Know. Yeah. So um, they, <laughs> they managed to get free drinks, but they're not in there that long. And that's where you first see the, um, the arms dealer and the strip club owner. That's right. Yes. Uh, Again, he, who doesn't say anything? He doesn't say uh, anything. Paul, Paul yeah. Guilford. Yeah. Yeah. So doesn't um, say a lie. They get out of the club, and then the two goons that were given the address of his house suddenly know that he's here at the club. Mm, so yeah, they try to try to gun him down. They end up crashing the car and disappearing, but not before the book of matches that was given them to by Dean Stockwell's character <laughs> has been found. In this crashed car, That's which so, he, yeah, so unlikely to happen, isn't it? Yeah, and the um, fact that the car crashed into a 
what looked like a telegraph pole or electric yeah, yeah. pole, and it's upside down and it's crushed, and they've both got out within seconds. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Not to be uh, found at all. But then they go to Billy's house, and Billy's now turned from this mild-mannered in Beverly Hills Cop 2. You're supposed to think this is the funny bit, is that Billy's now into guns, and he's got, yeah. a, he's got a Stallone poster of Cobra. He's got a Stallone poster of First Blood Part 2 around dotted around the house. Mm. And there's lots of plants everywhere and stuff. And he's got this turtle uh, of which they take it out. And Axel does this trick with super glue or something in order to try and get the fingerprint that's on, on the book of matches. Then they have to break into the gun club. Oh, it's a, it's a perfect fingerprint. It's a perfect poster, yeah. In the middle of the matches. And I did like the fact that the turtle goes nuts to James Brown. So that's that was nice. I would have liked to have seen the tur- turtle, oh, the turtle dancing. I've written down turtle, so I think it was hmm. different. Okay. We'd look, we're getting bogged. We'll get bogged down in turtles things like tur- turtles water, or tortoises. Don't I don't know. What's the difference between a turtle and a tortoise? One lives in water and one doesn't. Okay. Well, that's p- pretty easy. I thought we were going to go off on a tangent there, which would mean I have to rein it in in 10 minutes' time. A bit like when Joe and I talk about American cuisine, of which there's very little... Um, sorry to our American listeners, but if you want to go and listen, I um, I would great. actually say I went on Joe's podcast. He does the WDWNT Nerd podcast. Thank you. I've had enough practice. But he does the podcast and we talked about uh, something last weekend. So it's the recent one. And at the end of that, he wanted to pull me up about American cuisine. I think we chatted for about 20 minutes. So if you liked the end of Jaws 3 and, you know, uh, sorry, the end of Jaws 3, the end of What If?, Number five, where we talk talk about this, you'll love that. So go and go and listen. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they get the fingerprint. Now they're going to need to go down to the gun club. This is pre, um, uh, what do you call it, OJ Simpson when DNA first started to come in. So nobody thinks about, you know, wearing gloves or mm. DNA everywhere. But then they break in in order to find some coordinates. Now. At this point, this is probably why I marked it down a little bit. For the same reason I don't like Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker, so I know Star Wars. I know you're thinking why, why, why I'm introducing that. Rise of Skywalker needs, you need to go here to get that, to get this. And once you've got that, you can go there. And when you've gone there, you can go all the way back to here. And then that'll make sense. This is what Beverly Hills Cop 2 does. It goes, oh, now I've got this bit and now I need that bit. Now, if this is pure detective work and that you just want to see that, then I think it's fine. But it is quite by the book. No pun intended. No, because they didn't. They didn't break in to find coordinates. They broke in to find some info about where the next hit was going to be. Yeah, so and they found they find it. <laughs> they break into a drawer where it's all written down. Yeah, I mean, there's there's parts of me where I do like I do like the simplicity of the eighties, where you go, I I know what's going to happen here. It's fine, and then you get films in the nineties like Memento, where you go, what is going on here i don't like don't so much like films like that but anyway um so paul rice is paul rice is still covering um they actually he invents this um the the federal task force when it when he's when he's back in he then says you're not johnny wishbone and lutz goes who are you because i'm part of the super secret deep undercover federal task force ring the chief ring the chief tomorrow of which tomorrow paul riser is the one that has to uh, put the chief off the scent. It doesn't do a good job because he seems to come in at the same time as mm. as he would have arrived anyway. But he ends up convincing Lutz that Eddie Murphy should should be there. 
Um, then you get into probably another set piece. You get into the the hit on the city deposit repository. Yeah, um, it's the older uh, Axel and, and Co in the cop car. Yeah. Uh, driving the, fast yeah. to get to the bank. Yeah, knocking over fire hydrants, water hydrants, parking meters. <laughs> yeah, um, and um, Rosewood's got his Clint Eastwood gun. They call him Dirty Rosewood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. To be honest, if it was they, obviously the hit is going on inside the city depository. They arrive there in order to. How save. do they know that that's happening? On that particular day, because the coordinates were all—that's what but, the coordinates said, and the time. There's oh, there was a time the time. There's there. time at the bottom. It's like four fifteen or something. Oh, I didn't see that. Sorry. At the bottom of that. But if you walk up to the city depository with even without, sh- they didn't. They don't show the badges. I don't believe they showed the badges. They walk up there and go, "So have you got any authorization?" And they shoot the alarm and then go <laughs> authorized. I'm like, the first thing he's going to do is reach for his gun and it's going to start. Firing into uh, into their general direction, um, but one of the scenes I do like, and this is where I've got to give Tony Scott. I mean, some of the scenes in Top Gun and Days of Thunder that are just beautifully, wonderfully constructed scene. I do like the scene where at, he tells Billy, "We're going to need, we're going to need some wheels," and t- gets him to go off and get them. And he's there just with the the armored truck coming towards him i love that scene i just love the way it's all put together um so that's pretty good but what does billy nick a concrete mixer truck. A concrete or cement mixer, whatever you call it in the states cement mixer concrete mixer yeah um and then we get basically a replay of the start of Beverly hills cop yeah so it hits the cop cars yeah and then it chases and then it reverses back and then all the cop cars that are chasing it swerve and then there's a cop car pile up yeah yeah absolutely and then you've got this you've got this weird weird thing whereby from from a cop point from a cop point of view there's no reason for them all to go into each other no but, but they like do. the next scene they're all sort of standing there like, oh doing that to the necks and stuff yeah like, right is that very odd the cars completely you know been trashed to the point that they can't move anyway they find the abandoned truck the armored the armored truck they find that obviously it's so muddy around there that they can trace the getaway car all the way to the playboy mansion (laughs) which i have to say does look like a lot of fun it does look like if people went to the playboy mansion in the well whenever I'm, i'm sure you can probably still go even though hefner's not around I'm not sure if you can. I don't know what the setup is, but I tell you what, if you were lucky enough to get to a party at the Playboy Mansion, then fair play to you because it looks like a great place. I don't like that. Mm. Mm. But anyway, I was the wrong age, the so wrong who, social who class, was, the wrong... It was yeah. valet. It was the valet parking. In his, in his first, in his first uh, movie appearance, it was the wonderful Chris Rock. <laughs> Who's famous now for getting smacked, um, despite the fact that his comedy was really good. I don't think he's good in movies, Chris Rock. I don't think I think he's the weakest thing in Dogma, for example. Mm. But his his stand up's just incredible. It's just he, he he's not Eddie Murphy. He doesn't make the transition no. in the same way that Eddie Murphy can. But yeah, 
um you get the appearance by hugh hefner if you if you watch the trailer by the way you you do see all of this in there you know he, he announces that max is you know kills cops for a living and and hefner tells them you've all got to go but um yeah it's just it's great and then from there I can't remember, even though I only watched it this morning. Where did they get the name Sidney Bernstein from? Was it's that accountant? Yeah, where did they get that name from, though? He lifted the wallet from um, Max at the party. Max, that's at the it. Party, right. Yeah, opened it up and found the accountant's business card in his wallet. Yeah. Uh, so they go they to see. So they went around to see him, and it's for for a couple of minutes or a few minutes he's in the film he certainly leaves an impression do you like do you like gilbert godfrey oh i couldn't well if that's his normal acting now i couldn't watch that for very long that's him yeah no that's then. that's it that's his uh stick he's he's um I, I saw some you know great interview where where he he's he's gone you know thank you for all the success that i've had he has wonderful success in tv and stuff that i, that I haven't watched or whatever but um he, he he he's very much appreciative of the people that helped him um i don't know if you remember and i'm sorry to mention it but there's a reason for it but back to school um the history teacher in back to school sam kinnison the one that screamed in everybody's face you know mm-hmm. that's that was he he he's he's genuinely and, and still to this day thanks rodney dangerfield for giving him that that platform in order for him to to launch himself off so yeah, I do think there is a bit of this going on in the eighties where you bring somebody like a comedian in, um, and they're quite appreciative because Beverly Hills Cop too, even if you're only in it for a few minutes, you certainly want to to do all that. Anyway, you get exposure, won't you? I guess you get cut to the racetrack. Uh, oh no, so no, 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 no! Don't do that yet. Oh, we sorry. With Sidney Bernstein. Oh, I thought we'd right. Okay. No, he's got his wife's logged up twenty five unpaid parking tickets. Yeah. Um. So he he basically asks the team whether there's anything that in his office that they would like so that they would mysteriously forget about the the pink parking tickets. So Axel said, yeah, you know, $200. And then so he gives him the $200 and then he says, oh, well, actually, I need to use your computer to wipe these tickets. Is it possible I can get access? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 help yourself, help yourself, help yourself. And I'm like... Auditor, auditor alert. That would not happen. You What's he connecting to? to? Exactly. In the 80s. What network is he is he on? He's not on a you know the, the local network for the for the parking fines, is he? No. No. So it, it, it can't type very, in www dot whatever because there is no such thing yet. It's very unlikely because it was all it was all DOS based as well by looks. It's all DOS based, it was all IPs that you yeah. would connect to and yeah, all all a bit weird. Anyway, I think people, I think maybe the the film people decided people would be thick enough to believe because they would didn't really know about tech then. Did yeah, they? it's all move, move. It's the but magic, it the magic the, of the movies. He gets the addresses of um, uh, the people, but he also then speaks to Jen again, doesn't he? Whilst he's in there, and she mm. tells him um, about some some other stuff about the insurance and and on the other buildings and the other businesses and the fact that was it the racetrack has elevated insurance that's right it's the only one that's got insurance out of all the things he dropped it all 
Yeah, that's a good point. Sorry, yeah, I should have written that down. So yeah, nice one. I'd I'd miss that because otherwise it's not going to make sense why they go to the racetrack. (laughs) So yes, thank you, sweetheart. You may continue. Um, When they get to the racetrack, Bridget Nielsen's dressed as a security guard. Charles Kane is dressed as a security guard. So the guy they're they're going to set up here, and I'm like, won't everybody know that they're like at the gun club and Mm. and he's he's like, why dress as a police officer? You go to a racetrack where people that you know are going to be there if i turned up and if i was going to do a robbery and i walked into a place where all my mates were and they were going charles why are you dressed as a cop you know i mean it, it should elicit that level of sort of recognition but no nobody bats an eyelid um meanwhile he's set up and this is all a nice perfect setup because the code that axel cracks uh says uh screw you cops Signed Charles Shavet. No, not Charles. Um, Carlos. Carlos. Carlos Kane. And basically, so that's Charles Kane. So they're basically trying to set him up. They sh- Bridget Nielsen shoots him in the robbery to lead this smoking gun. And then Lutz thinks this has all been solved. This is all done now. It's an open shut case. It is him. This was the code. This is what's cracked and everything else. But the others aren't so sure. They think that something is uh, something is missing, and because they find the, because they put two and two together with the um, burger mill used to run through the oil fields, um, they put two and two together with the, uh, the the kind of red mud clay stuff that he was yeah. running through. So they they head off to the oil fields, and here we come to the end of the 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 big spectacular bit at the end, which I think is pretty good. You've got Rosewood finding all of this, all of this um, uh, weaponry, uh, which he's he's in seventh heaven. John Ashton passes him a rocket and goes, "Here, Billy, I haven't got one of these." <laughs> and then Billy puts it in his pocket. You're like, "Okay." Well, he puts on his really long coat. The really he? long coat, the Hitcher, the Rutger Hauer Rich, um, mm. Hitcher coat. Um, <laughs> um, he's got place- two um, what are they semi-automatic, like um, shotguns. Shotguns, yeah. Yeah, and he gives one to John Ashton, which is which is in the boot, and you're like, crikey, how much has he got in there? Um, I find it weird he didn't know how to fire a rocket launcher, considering he'd been really into guns, yeah. but inadvertently fires it and presses it and blows up the, the thing, and it and it all goes up. Um, and, and, and while I'm watching this, I'm thinking, do you know what? I miss, and I know I say this a lot, but it's true. I miss the fun of 80s movies. And, and and we still got them, and we can always go back and watch them. I can always go back and watch. Cro- if I'm feeling in a in a bit of a bad mood, I'll go back and watch Crocodile Dundee because I know it'll put me in a good mood every single time. I I love that film. However, they don't make films like this anymore. They don't make just good entertainment. You look at the biggest film of this year, one of the biggest films of this year, Top Gun Maverick, and everyone That's went to it. That's entertainment. Yeah. But I tell you what, it is a in a sea of mediocrity. It is the one island that's in there that you go. That was a real. That was that was a film that was so good. I want to go and see it again, and I did. And again, and, and I dragged you with me. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I, I would, and I and I would genuinely go and see it again in the cinema. I'd see it in mm. IMAX, you know, and so think, what's that like? You know, with a bigger screen and you know, but better sound. Um, and so I kind of miss. I miss films like this. When when you look at Rosewood firing off the rocket launcher and all of this stuff going on and all of this 
hammy things and then Axel getting caught and then getting free. You're like going, I love this. I just, this is, can we have just, can someone just make films like this that are just going to entertain rather than trying to like force stuff down, down your throat and say, you must like this and you must like that. No, no, not at all. Um, But yeah, so it all gets foiled. Um, uh, Tagger ends up saving Axel who's about to get shot by Bridget Nielsen. Mm. Axel shoots Max uh, when he drives towards him. It all wraps up quite nicely. Um, And then you get Lutz, finally, Lutz appears and goes, everybody's fired. And then the mayor goes, no, 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 you're fired. Um, So, yeah, he's he's been doing that. Um, He phones up the chief. Obviously, they congratulate him and said... uh, Axel is a fine police officer under your tutelage. And Axel gets a phone. He goes, what the F do you, what the F do you mean tutelage? It's like, that's brilliant. Um, but the Ferrari's wrecked. Paul Reiser has wrecked the Ferrari and he's got a broken leg. <laughs> but the thing I mentioned at the start is the thing I'm a bit miffed about now. So he's getting divorced for the second time. What happens at the end of the film? Oh, good news, Axel. Marianne's gone back to him. Yeah, because because the mother hasn't got her mother hasn't got cable TV, and then yeah. Axel makes some lewd comment about it's about his cable. His uh, cable, absolutely. In the two days <laughs> that, that that she's been divorcing him, he hasn't been able to see her because presumably he's been working on this nonstop, hmm. and he's been staying away. So is it is it was it just the cable TV in the end, or his cable, as they say? I don't know. But the yeah, thing that intrigues me as well. Okay. Um, the the mayor makes a comment about he's fed up of the chief's rudeness, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and has put up with it for two months. Yeah. But they haven't been working on the case for two months. No. Uh, well, no. When the when you first see them, they are working on the case of the alphabet killer, right? I think, I believe so. Anyway, um, anyway, do you know what? I don't have much in, tri- in the way of trivia, so uh, I can I can read a couple of things out. Should we go into trivia time? Yeah, go on then. Okay, it's trivia time. Trivia time. So we've got the, according to the DVD documentary, Paramount wanted to produce a TV series, Beverly Hills Cop, after the success of the first film. However, the reason it was stopped is because Eddie Murphy, I know I keep wanting to be making films. So I guess if Eddie Murphy says, you ain't going to make a TV series, then it isn't going to happen. I don't Um, suppose there's as much money in it. No, absolutely. It's a lot of, lot of, um, continued work i would say mm. uh pierce brosnan uh, pierce brosnan listen to me bronson pinchot surge he was supposed to come back but he was too busy filming perfect strangers oh. the sitcom where he played balky yeah which is good it's good i it's my it was my morning tv show um it used to go pink panther i used to watch pink panther at 7 a.m and then I used to watch perfect strangers um I guess nowadays kids would probably go, oh yeah, we watch Frasier or we watch something like this, but Perfect Strangers. Uh, Frasier's still good. Um, so the cement truck 
has a sticker on the side saying DSJB Construction Company. DS and JB stands for not only the film's producers, but probably the most powerful people in Hollywood at that time, Dom Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer. So, yeah, <laughs> pretty much what they said went. Um, the scene where Taggart and Rosewood enter Axel's house, Rosewood refers to Taggart that maybe the Pointer sisters live in the house. Hmm. Why is that a callback? I don't know. Because in Beverly Hills, in Beverly Hills Cop, where the, the the lorries creating mayhem at the start, that's the Pointer Sisters' Neutron Dance, and they also have a very very forgettable song on the soundtrack of Number Two called "Be There." But anyway, mm, there was a deleted scene from the Shooting Club. Here we here we come to it. It was a deleted scene from the shooting club where Axel Rosewood and Taggart must sneak carefully past a hallway with several lasers covering it. Yes. Axel tells Taggart to blow cigar smoke across the floor to expose the lasers and the trio have to carefully straddle the lasers and sneak across the hallway to his dense office. According to Tony Scott, the scene was deleted because it slowed down the pacing of the movie too much and because it was too far removed from reality. And it clashed with the overall tone of the film. The deleted scene can be viewed in the DVD extras uh, or Blu-ray or extras the or, the, or, or the trailer, yeah. Um, too far removed from reality. Uh, I'm sure James that's Bond used a lot that. of lasers, so, you know, it's still, still all right. Um, in the making of sequel, the director said, this sequel is a cross between Beverly Hills Cop and 48 Hours. That was where he was going with that. Mm-hmm. And having seen 48 Hours, Nope, don't see it myself. Uh, but I'm sure I'm sure he did. Uh, an early draft written by two writers involved Axel going undercover as a Beverly Hills renter cop who helps Rosewood Taggart and Bergamill stop a corrupt security service operated by a Detroit hoodlum turned businessman. The script also called for Chief Hubbard from Beverly Hills Cop to return and Axel to have a female partner and love interest named Lucy. Chief Hubbard. Do you remember Chief Hubbard? The the, the guy that was over Bogomil in uh in the yes. old the old guy, yeah. So yeah. Um that's about it. Uh I, I do like the fact that it did make it did make a lot of money back. As sequels go, so to wrap up now, as sequels go, what do you does this sit as a as a as a worthy sequel to to the first one? Do you think? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Are you slightly curious about three? Mm-hmm. I will try and find it from somewhere, but and then if you just want to, even just give it ten fifteen minutes, you can just see the trailer and you can see the tone of the film, and and the trailer actually makes it look better than it is. But anyway, what are we doing next time? Do you want to do you want to introduce the, the next film, which we've already said, but for people who are just joining in or fast forwarding through, do you want to uh, tell people what film we're doing next? I don't know. What, what are we oh, doing? Crikey, we only mentioned it like an hour ago. Um, Lethal Weapon 2. Oh, Lethal Weapon 2. Yes. Oh. Is that the one with the really dodgy South African accents? Diplomatic community. That's yeah, the one. That's the one. And Patsy Kensit, yes. She drops the accent halfway through the film, though, doesn't she? Yeah, <laughs> she does. Oh, she dropped other... Uh, no, wait a minute. Sorry, where was oh, I going with that? Oh, no, no, it's crass, crass. She does, actually, in the film, so there we go. Spoiler alert. Uh, 
Um, cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to that because is it better that oh that 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 would be one of those? Is it better than the first? Uh, but more about that more about that next time. Um, great. I'm I'm gonna we're gonna have been loads of fun with season <laughs> season six. This is great sequels. I did threaten Greece too at one point. No, don't do that one. Well, I might have to do some of these like you know forgotten ones. I might have to go back and. It's not even forgotten. Greece too. I listened to so I listened to another podcast um, show at the movie. Well, Shat Movies, it's called. Um, I won't explain why, and. They loved Grease 2. The, the two two of the people, one of the, sorry, no, one of the reviewers, she said, Grease 2 is an annual thing that we do every year and we watch it and the family come around and Why? we know all the songs and we know everything else. And she said, it is infinitely better than Grease. Oh. So there are so there are people out there that do think not, that. but Not watching it. Okay. Joe, Tom, should we do it? Don't, don't watch it. Well. We've got to do it. We maybe got to and. do it. It seems like a perfect look. If you do forgotten 80s films, that is forgotten. People don't know there was a sequel to Greece. Anyway, we can't keep doing all these multi you know, blockbusters and stuff that we people can, go. though, because they're forgotten. Oh, because yeah, so. they're so old now that yes. well, a whole generation old. hasn't seen them. Some of them are 40 years old, yeah. Exactly. It's like Stripes. Thinking about stripes, it's forty. I mean, I was just—I was having a conversation on Friday night uh, with the guy in the pub, uh, who was a big Bill Murray fan, and I went stripes. Yeah, it's 40, 41 years ago. Forty-one years ago. Mm. Wow. Oh, there you go. And on that bombshell, uh, we'll get, we'll wrap it up. So, uh, it, please get in touch with us. We're working on a website at the moment, but get us on Facebook Messenger. We'd love to hear from you, even if you've got suggestions. We'd love it. Um, Facebook Messenger, Rusted Junk. Uh, we're going to resurrect the Twitter or Instagram, so it's pointless as telling you that now because I don't think we sorted out the the access and how we update and everything, but the website's going to look really funky, really good. So um, keep, keep them peeled, as Sean Taylor would say. That reference would have been lost on pretty much everyone. Anyway, I'm going to say cheerio and see you next time. And toodle pip from me. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.